please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. Hey, hey, it's Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. It's Jesse T. And I'm Young Leezy. And we are the kind of movie critics, man. We can't seem to get on a, a decent schedule, so we just kind of like do whatever the fuck we want to do, All right? You know well, what I mean? you know what I have found? It's not about being consistent with the time. It's about being consistent with the product, and we hadn't really been inspired lately. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys would agree that it's better for us to have good content than to put out some bullshit just so, you know, you can hear from us. Right. Now, we got some things coming, though. That's true. But your line that it doesn't, it, you know, it, being consistent with, we don't have to be consistent with the time. We have to be consistent with the product. It sounds like a Pablo Escobar quote. Or it could just be a lazy quote. I know be. things. I'm I just dropped jewels. Sounds like something like Three people on the panel wanted to do a Christopher Nolan episode. But we still can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming, man. Like a porn star. That is coming. That's oh, nigga. Get it? Get it? Get it? <laughs> huh? get it? The fact that you had to say get it. <laughs> Whoa. I got to, you know, sometimes my jokes are a little elementary. So. Yeah, we got a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, man. But I definitely want to do that Christopher Nolan episode. Yeah, so. let's do it. Did you ever see Insomnia? I have not seen Insomnia. I have. See, I still haven't seen Dunkirk, but that's on my list. Martin's over there like, I'm just waiting because I've seen it all. So I still haven't seen Dunkirk. 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 Oh, oh, so the one time I've seen something that nobody's seen, and everyone's just like, oh, cool. I would see. Like, Try we, lightly, we, Corey, you know, and now, and then, <laughs> But apparently it. we're going to get to the fact that I haven't seen the movie we're about to talk about, and y'all are all going to try to rip me a new one. I mean, you so. just outed yourself. I was going to let you go. No, no, because so, no, trust me, <laughs> someone was going to do it for you. <laughs> someone was not going to let me live. I think you think too highly of yourself. There's <laughs> only five there. of us in the room, and we let's, all contribute. Let's start there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're doing uh, this episode on Detroit, Catherine Bigelow's latest film uh, about the race tensions in uh, 1960s Detroit, Michigan. Um, but uh, before we get to all of that, man, what's new in movies and trailers that you guys have maybe seen or interested in seeing or whatever the case may be? I finished up Ozark. Oh, Ooh. fucking right. Ozark was Ozark. great. I liked it. It's a... Uh... An accelerated and exaggerated version of Breaking Bad, but I found it to be entertaining. And if you like drugs and cartels and things like that, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Yeah. I like that it's about drugs and cartels, but there's barely any people of color in it. Just saying. So what is I mean, what does that mean? It's Mexicans in it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah but they're not but they're not they're not throughout most of the series. They don't show up every episode. Like it in also, the beginning they're It heavy. also takes place in a stereotypically white trashy kind of area yeah of but I, I mean you know we we typically get the single story of that it's in the barrio and it's in the ghetto and nah it's drugs everywhere and all kinds of people participate in the drug trade i know that but so i know story, you know i'm just saying i appreciate the story a, the story is about how other people so are i'm confused are you happy that there's not no, a lot of color that, that's what i'm saying i said oh, i okay, appreciate okay. that they're, oh, okay. that it's about the drug cartels and but they're but it's not it doesn't feature a whole lot of people of color gotcha i thought oh, you were I'm complaining sorry. about yeah that. i thought you were complaining too that's the that's what kind of Used to you complaining yeah. about color related issues. That's, that's not what I said. So you were glad it was a bunch of white people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Okay. Awesome. Go easy. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all even listening to me when I talk? Uh, we we, we do, but I think I think and and I, let me just speak for our listeners too. <laughs> I think we're already kind of like sort of tilted in a depiction of what you're going to say. You don't know my just, life. Just based upon <laughs> history. You know, I think that's kind of how we angle ourselves these days. You heard us. Any any anything else? Ozark was really good. I saw Wind River. Yo, talk about that. 
Um, I, I really liked it. Like, I really like just straightforward crime dramas, and especially like the cold ones, like a uh, is Bone, or um, like The Gray is kind of like a cold thriller type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really, I just love to seeing crime stuff on on the big screens and stuff like that. And small movies getting a chance. And of course, Taylor Sheridan, he did, um, he wrote Hella High Water and Sicario. Right. So I was really interested to see his like debut and I, I, I liked it. How did Jeremy Renner do? He did decent. I like, I like Jeremy Renner. And I don't understand why he doesn't do more because Hawkeye is not getting his own movie. Hell and, no! Nobody wants so, to see that. And like you, you only do an Avenger. You know, every, he only shows up every couple years. I mean, I would like, see, I would see a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie. I think that would yeah. be. All right. But I'm just saying, like, why? I I actually have high hopes for him, and I wish that he would do more. Or, or I, I we wish know he's capable. He, of yeah, I feel like he's capable of a lot more, and he doesn't seem to do a lot. I mean, he he's tried to do us. the Bourne movie, but it didn't work what? out. Oh yeah, like the Bourne Legacy movie. Yeah. So I guess and Mission like, Impossible. Yeah, he's in the new. Mission they tried Impossible. to like put him in yeah. in it. Yeah, I think Tom Cruise shut that down. So why yeah. why, why is that? You think? Or is I, that, did you I've read that an article that? that like Tom Cruise is is Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise is not gonna hand that over until like Tom Cruise cannot physically do the movies. Anymore. He's a diva. Yeah, I've heard that. Like he takes a lot of control of his films. He takes over from directors and like passing of the torch. If it's not his 100% idea, he's probably not going to do it. He's not with it. Okay. Yeah. So, and I don't, because I, I had read that too, that Jeremy Renner, they were, that was the goal was to hand the torch off. But then the movie he appeared in, he didn't really do anything. Damn. But apparently he is in the next one. So I guess he is filming that. So. I watched on Netflix like two days ago, the new New Mirror Pace. Um, what happened to Monday? Okay. I, is that good? I wanted to see that. It's worth watching. It's worth watching? Um, I mean, it's Netflix, but it's worth watching. Is it going to be like that movie where the people found out there was heaven, they were killing themselves, and like it was like okay? No, it's not. It's that better bad. than that. It's, it's than action that. Okay. movies. I actually okay. like that movie. You're talking was, about the I discovery. Thought was, I thought it was okay. I, I like the discovery. The discovery started off strong, and then you got to a point yeah, where right. it's like, it, it, yeah. No, this one is, and this one, it's a dystopian future where the world's overpopulated, and it's kind of like China. You can only have one kid, but like. Unlike in China where you have to like pay a fine or you can give your kid up for adoption, like they take your kid from you because it's a whole world. It's not just um, it's not just China. And so there's New Me Replace. Uh, in the future, the world gets overpopulated because the GMOs in our food cause multiple births. So New Me Replace plays seven identical siblings and they each are named for the day of the week. And um, the way that they get away, yeah, the way that they get away with um, existing is that they all assume one identity and they get to leave their home on the day of their name. Oh, that's dope. That's actually really dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, shit goes awry. Glenn Close is a big, scary bitch in this movie, (laughs) which is always good. Go ahead. Has your one of your favorite actors in it? Who? Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's oh, in it. God. He's in it a little bit. He's not in the whole movie. And he's not ridiculous in the yeah. movie. Well, kind he, of. He seems like he's getting better. Like, his acting's getting better. So I'm, I'm going to lay off Willem Dafoe. He's, uh, since he's I saw a, Antichrist, I've, I've been like, a, all right, I'll deal with him. He doesn't suck in this movie. Yeah. He's not in it for very long, but he's believable. Okay. Yeah. And he's definitely on that list of questionable, questionable actors. I mean, like. Numeru Pace is really good. I'm interested in y'all watching it because, you know, I don't have quite the technical eye, but there's a lot of... Same scenes. 
where, well, yeah, well, she's yeah. like playing seven people in one scene or three people and they're touching. There's a scene where she's playing two people and they're fighting and they're like rolling around the floor and shit. Oh, so like dope. I'm interested in like how they did that. Well, y'all, y'all's opinion on how well they did it. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So real quick, before we get into the movie, something I kind of want to do to encourage a little bit more like uh, um, interaction on like our social media and SoundCloud and stuff. I kind of want to shout out some people that have been you know, uh, participating and listening, doing a lot of listening to our episodes because that is important. So, and, and to answer specifically one question that somebody asked uh, one comment on our girls trip episode. So there was a point, there was a point in the episode where, um, I made a comment that, uh, Dude was too the dude who like Jesse. Oh, Chad on, on insecure. Be, yeah, on insecure. And so he's too smooth to be gay. And somebody was like, uh, well, Jardoism, uh, his name is Jared. Jardoism on SoundCloud said, uh, too smooth to be gay. What does that mean? And uh, a legitimate question because, you know, if you don't know by now, man, like I don't really get my full thought out sometimes because like I get brain stuck sometimes. So when I was saying too smooth to be gay, I didn't mean like that wasn't like a slander on gay people or anything like I wasn't saying like gay people can't be smooth but he's his interaction with the opposite sex would indicate that he's heterosexual it it would indicate that he's heterosexual he's pretty smooth with the ladies with with the ladies you know and that's what I meant so I'm not saying that gay people can't be smooth and uh talking another man out of his underwear or anything like that but people think something bad about you (laughs) well I I don't you weren't even here to help how's it feel I don't I actually don't know if he you know I I just took it as a legitimate question like you know I don't think he was um it could have been we don't know him but shout out to you leave us more comments yeah leave us more comments and that's what I meant you know so I don't have no problem with homosexuals if that's what you're thinking Sure, sure you do. I don't, but yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> shout out to our top five listeners of last week: uh, Lil Reggie, Two Cole, uh, Jerome, uh, Jerome Surrey Jr., Ken Reg, Lindsay Allison Russell, and Woo-hoo. Mistress Fitz, who is uh, actually on the live from the Seven Five podcast. Lindsay was on our last episode. Oh, oh, that's the Lindsay. That's Lindsay. Oh, okay, dope. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to you, you. Lindsay. <laughs> You was out here listening to yourself. I ain't mad at you, boo-boo. So, uh, and then shout out to Del McCullough on SoundCloud for the massive support. Oh, that's my homie. Yeah, he's, he retweets a lot. Retweets Hampton a lot of our episodes. He actually, he actually a has a, a, a podcast also. It's called Where's Buffy? Oh, um, okay. And it's it's a Fat Boys reference for those of you who yeah, don't get it. But Yeah, but it's him and another guy who's chubby. Okay. So Where's <laughs> Buffy? Yep. Shout out to you, Where's Buffy podcast. Yeah, that's dope. So anyway, man, uh, I, I want to start doing that every episode. Shout out our SoundCloud listeners and people that engage. So, you know, do some engagement and you might get shouted out in the next episode on, on the Christopher Nolan episode, which is going to do numbers. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, let's get into this Detroit, man. So we can uh, go about our lives and and uh, in case you have, and, you know, if for some reason you missed the intro to the show, we are a spoilers podcast. So if you haven't seen Detroit, uh, I highly recommend you just go ahead and turn it off. But if you have, go ahead and stick around for the conversation. But uh, in, in in all respect, in all honesty, this isn't a movie that you can really spoil. It's more about the experience and getting into the emotion of the film. So uh, Detroit is directed by Catherine Bigelow, who um, I first, you know, uh, first time I can remember seeing her name was on Point Break. That was like one of my favorite films in the 90s. That they fucking remade and it didn't need to be remade. Yeah. Point the, Break's the shit. Point The original Point Break was my shit. That mm-hmm. like, that raised the bar for like 
visceral action films that are like true to life back then. And rest in peace to Patrick Swayze. Like he was everything in that movie. Yeah. How about that? I know we're not talking about, you know, point break here, but like that fucking pair uh, jumping out of the air. Like nobody really talks about that chase scene. You know, two guys chasing each other in the air. Keanu Reeves jumps out with no fucking parachute. parachute. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he's, Chasing fucking uh, Patrick Swayze because like you have to win. Yeah, like you there's have no, to win. there's really gonna be a loser in this in this fight. <laughs> <In that scenario, laughs> yeah. Like there's yeah. gonna be a winner and a loser in this whole situation here. Right. Yeah. We have to think about the technology that exists now as compared to them. That was like really ballsy of a of a thing to attempt in a movie. Yeah, it was, man. So that's the first time I remember her, and I you know been a fan ever since. But she also did Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker, which. uh both went on to be nominated for Academy Awards. I think she got one. I think she won for the Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah, was it? Shout out no. to Jeremy Renner because we were just talking about Jeremy Renner. No, no, she was. I think Hurt Locker was nominated. She won for Zero Dark Thirty, I believe. Yeah, I I could be wrong, but I think I that's how it went. No, I, I thought she won for her. Yeah, yeah. But I got to Yeah, check that. I, I'm almost pretty sure she won. Because Zero Dark Thirty won that year. Best film or best director. Hurt Locker won Best Picture, I thought. She yeah, because she Oscars. beat because she, she beat James Cameron, Cameron and, and that was like, the, the big thing. She beat like the she beat the ex husband. So. I, I could be wrong then. Well, well, both yeah. films were not. Seen Hurt Locker. She won. She won Best Director for the Hurt Locker. Okay, mm-hmm. but but Zero Dark Thirty won Best Film though, right? No, she won Best um, Best Motion. It was picture nominated. Oh, nominated for Best. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry, I was way off. Well, I like Zero Dark Thirty. I like Zero Dark Thirty almost better than Hurt Locker. I like them both pretty equally. Yeah. yeah. She knows how to get to the emotion. Right. It's raw emotion with yeah. her films, I feel. Yeah. That's what makes her special to me is that she knows how to get to that emotion. She knows how to capture. She knows how to make a, a, a situation that shouldn't be a situation tense. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that the or so it seems. Martin, I think you were kind of talking about that the other day. Like she made a girl sitting behind the desk looking for Osama bin Laden, you know, dramatic or like very suspenseful and the first movie of hers I've seen was Blue Steel which I probably had no fucking business yeah, watching as Jamie a child Curtis. but that movie is scary as fuck it's creepy yeah. yeah it's real creepy things scare me when they can really happen to you yeah yeah she I made K-19 the Widowmaker yeah. I didn't know that yeah, she's <laughs> I remember a beast. that Harrison Ford with the Russian accent uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah she's a beast Y'all totally cut Martin off, by the way. He was about to He didn't say nothing. He was chilling. I know when he's chilling, usually. Okay. Uh, It was also written by Mark. (laughs) 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 It was written by, I I guess his name is Mark Bowl. Boal? Bowl? B-O-A-L? I was praying that somebody knew how to pronounce it. That sounds right to me. Yeah, but he also wrote Zero Dark Thirty, Hurt Locker in Detroit. So obviously she has a really good synergy. They have a really good writing, directing team. Um, and then it was also produced by uh, what happens to be one of my favorite production companies, Annapurna Pictures. Shout out to Megan Ellison if you're hiring, holla at me. Um, <laughs> who who also produced Zero Dark Thirty with her. So it looks like they're kind of setting into a nice little um, producing director groove as well. You know, Annapurna, I think they they have a lot of integrity in the films that they choose. Yeah, them and A24 is like the two. Well, them, A24, and Blue Mouse, I think. Blue Mouse. That's oh, like Blue Mouse. Blue, yeah. I think it said Blue Mouse. Yeah, Blue Mouse. It yeah. did sound or, like it's, you said it's, Blue Mouse. It's actually Blumhouse, though, I <laughs> Oh, Blumhouse. Yeah, Blumhouse. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, 1984, Private Defense Contractors. I like them, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they, they, they've, I haven't seen much of them lately, but when they were doing their thing, they had integrity as well. But um, 
Yeah, man. So on to the synopsis for Detroit. Do you feel like pulling that up, Corey? Sure. Yeah, so you could do your thing. <clears throat> Amidst the chaos of the Detroit Rebellion with the city under curfew and as the Michigan National Guard patrolled the streets, three young African-American men were murdered at the Algiers Hotel. Yeah, man. So um, I like the choice of words there. I like how they said rebellion and not riot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, as so well, the, that was just the first synopsis. The second well, that's one. the only one that matters. <laughs> the other one, like, users four submitted five here. Listed. Okay. So last episode when we did girls trip, the synopsis sucked. So this is a good. Uh, this <laughs> right. is a, this is and a he good accused contrast. me of writing it. Whatever. I thought you did. She was like, I don't write copy. <laughs> that's her favorite line. I don't. I don't write copy. So um, how much did you guys know about this Algiers Motel incident before the film? I didn't know anything. I just knew I knew there were riots in Detroit, but I didn't know anything about the Algiers Motel. I purposefully did not look it up. I knew that when you told me it was a true story, I purposefully did not look it up because I wanted to enjoy the movie from the perspective of someone that didn't know anything about it. Right. I wanted to not know what was coming. Mm-hmm. How about you, Justin? Yeah, no, I'd heard about the riots, but not about this specific event. Right. I had heard vaguely about it, but I didn't know much. Um, but I know when I first saw the trailer for this film, I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, uh-huh. you know, We're Catherine going there. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. And, um, you know, I I know right off the rip, I know right off the rip, uh, you know, I, a potential topic for conversation is, you know, Catherine Bigelow obviously is a white woman. Mm-hmm. This is a you know, somewhat a black story. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we're kind of in a funny time right now with, mm-hmm. the, you know, white people telling black stories. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just kind of interested in that space. And I found myself saying, if anybody's going to tell a story involving black people, like I trust her with it because, you know, she seems to have a lot of integrity in her storytelling. Um, and, and, and also because it seems like, you know, her last few track record of films uh, hit the Academy Award space. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and which garnishes more attention to certain things. So I also kind of felt like this film was directed more towards white people as the audience. Um, I feel like her wanting to um, kind of show the situation up close and personal. I mean, this is something that white people don't get to see very often. So I really respect how well she told the story and how much she just kind of put it all in our face and it's kind of forcing people to kind of deal with it. Like this is this is how it is and this is how it was. Back then, very interesting. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. Oh, yeah, I actually, go ahead. Oh, I would agree definitely from the beginning because they have this whole animation about how mm-hmm. black people move from the south to the cities. It's like, well, all black people know that, so you wouldn't have to tell us that. That's mm-hmm. true. So clearly, that was put there for like other races or other people who didn't know that. And I very agree true. because I think that that context is really important in terms of like why the people in that city are then disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, um. And I'll say this. I felt that the first act of the movie was rushed extremely. It was just kind of like, okay, we're raiding this this illegal after-hours spot, and then black people are burning up the city. Like, right. what the fuck's going on here? But with the context in the beginning, it at least tells you why these people are impoverished. Right. It's not because they're fucking lazy, like some people would have you believe. Mm-hmm. It's because they've been systemically displaced. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very good point. Yeah. And and I think that it also showed the evolution of racism. Like a lot of people like to say, oh, racism was a long time ago. You don't need reparations or whatever for that. But it's like you see how it changed over time and it, it manifests itself in a different way. Right. Absolutely. To your point, though, about a white person telling, you know, somewhat of a black story. I definitely am a proponent of us telling our own stories. Right. right? Um, we, I think, are the most acquainted with us. And I think that there is a level of authenticity to that we can lend to our culture that maybe someone who is outside the culture 
um, doesn't have instinctually. Doesn't right. mean you can't consult, but it's not there to say like, this is what this feels like. I know that feeling. Right. On the other side of that, I think that this is a very important story in the way that it parallels things that are still going on in our culture. And it shows how far we haven't come. Mm-hmm. And so to Jesse's point about it being geared more towards white people, I definitely agree. And it, it, holds white people accountable in a different way than we've seen. And so for that reason, I think her being attached to it and what her name carries in terms of like weight, Mm -hmm. it's very important. So I'm not mad at it. Like I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at how she executed the story except for that first act because I was like, we're not animals. We don't just burn up shit for no reason. But (laughs) I felt like I missed something there. Like, you you know, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, Lizzie, and I agree with you. I feel like it just jumped right into the riots. And it was like, well, that that didn't feel like. Realistic. It, yeah. It just felt like there was some, there was a synapse between what actually happened and then what happened in the film, you know, but it obviously it was a conduit to get to the, to the rebellion. I was going to say is having not seen the movie, unfortunately, uh-huh. I'm sorry guys. Um, <laughs> was the movie, I mean, the riots is, I think going into this, you knew that that was going to be a part of it. So is it about the story that you don't know about? So it was kind of like, we know why you're here. It's the right. rise. We want to tell you this this other story and I not so. waste time I, on the ride because the rise is not the real story. Yeah, I, I get so. that, but to me watching it, it felt a lot like black people have no self-control and this is what they're doing. Like this is, it, 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 it felt... It felt like the people that they show in protests and rioting that they weren't given the fullness of their humanity. We're just seeing them. They were just seeing their behavior and not the emotional reaction to it. And it didn't really come across that way. In my opinion, like rioting is a function of powerlessness. And I don't feel like that part was conveyed. But that's my question. Is the movie about the riot? It's not about the riot, so but in terms of the, the story progression, it was like super glazed over, in my opinion. Yeah, it well, maybe was, that was the point. But well, but you know what though? Because I, I feel like, um, I feel like um, they okay. So with the animations at the beginning, they did an enormous job of setting up the fact that there was a lot of tensions. Right? I agree. You know, and and so I think maybe this was what we just saw was the pimple coming to a head. To a head, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it was, it was just the like one of the last straws of some because obviously the manner and how the police busted into this after hour spot was a little sketchy to to begin with. Absolutely. You know, you see the black guy. They put the little token black guy in front, and you know he's got his little snitch on the inside, but. You know, they're trying to come in through the back and apprehend people because they don't want to bring a lot of attention to the front. Like there was a lot of tactical, like, you know, excessiveness going on. But then I just see Tyler James throwing shit at the cops and I'm like, oh, okay, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But, you know, I I guess the only the only way to take it is that this wasn't an isolated incident. This is something that happens a lot. That's fair. And maybe the people are tired of it. And that's I guess that's the only way that I, you know. Can process I that. I can process that. Because or maybe there's some things that we didn't animals. see. I, you know, that's the only thing I can think of. Or that too. They cut it for time. Maybe. Yeah. I'd love to ask. Right. There probably is a director's cut somewhere on the table. Well, I, I kind of feel like one thing she did with this film is that she didn't focus too much on the characters. It was more focused on the situation kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's what kind of took me out of it a little bit is that I felt like I didn't really know who the main character was 
was or who the story was really about. Right. You know, and um, I think that's one of those things that maybe if it was done by like a black director, someone who uh, was more close to the uh, the actual like experience, like you may have gotten more of that from the film. Well, do you think mm-hmm. you feel like that was a hindrance though? It, mm, I, I feel like connecting with it a little bit. I feel like it kind of could be because it's like usually you want, you know, like a character or something that you're kind of rooting for that you're really kind of getting inside their head. I feel like we didn't really get too much inside people's heads. We just were watching a really fucked up situation kind of unfold right. and watch these people deal with it. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. Bo was supposed mm-hmm. to be your entrance into the story. Mm-hmm. He's the um, kid from Slight. I don't know. I don't think anybody's seen Slight. No. Jacob Latimer. Jacob Latimer. Yeah. His, his yeah. character's name is Fred. Fred, yeah. Yeah, but he's supposed to be like the naive one, the like the audience surrogate, I guess. Mm, I've never heard that term, audience, audience surrogate. surrogate. That, that's what that it felt that's like. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Well, I felt like he, I felt like he, he had some character development. I feel like um, Algie Smith's character, Larry, who was from the Dramatics, uh-huh. I feel like he, in terms of all the characters, had the most. And then I'd say John Boyega's character, I don't remember how to pronounce it. Is it Demuke? Demuke, yeah, Demuke, Demuke, something like that. I something can't like that. Either. I feel like he had the most character development out of any any character in right. the story. Mm. I mean, and when you get to the end, you see why, right? Because yeah. you have to you have to look into his motivations. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, see, so so, I, and I think what you guys are saying are all great points, right? I feel like um, I feel like the whole not really identifying with the specific main character. Um, I felt like that was a. I feel like they showed us different sides of potential places to put yourself in mm-hmm. in this problem, you know, in this pretty in this situation, you know, and it's it's more about who do you identify with, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like because everybody had their motivation, like and, and that was the other thing too is they she gave us uh, a a chance to see motivations. Now if they were dramatized or not, probably you know, but. For for this particular film, you got a chance to see people's motivations. You know, you saw uh, people calling John Boyega's character Uncle Tom, you know, but he 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 was just um, his approach to it was just a little bit more diplomatic. But no, he was a whole ass Uncle Tom. He was a whole Uncle Tom. Give me your perspective I, I, I will on that. say this, though, like I, to me, like John Boyega's character represented people who are preaching respectability politics. Now, to your point. When I at the point in the movie where they were calling him an Uncle Tom for the first time, I would not have identified him that way. Right. But in the totality of his character, mm-hmm. I absolutely would. And I would say that his character in the movie is the only one who inserted himself there and he did not have to fucking be there. Oh, that's As very a black true. person in that situation, he volunteered to be there and then he didn't fucking help anybody. He didn't help anybody. Mm. And I was like, what are you showing up for? Are you showing up because you have something to prove to these white cops in this military? Are you showing up to help these black kids? Like, what is your motivation? Who are you identifying with here? I think they showed enough situations to show that, like, he was showing up to, like, a little bit of both, though. Like, he's showing up to make sure to do what he can to stop things from getting out of hand. You know, like, look at the scene. He didn't, though. I think his presence there just means they they were more cautious about absolutely. their brutality. Yeah, I was about to say he absolutely. I think How? It, because, because they, they wanted like they didn't want to do too much in front of him, in front of so him. he could be a witness and testify. Yeah. So, so realistically, realistically, fucking speaking, 
right? Right. What was stopping them from doing the same thing to him? Because he was a, well, he wasn't law enforcement, but he was a security guard. Yeah. And he that doesn't had, stop. Like, it, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and, but but I think I, th- I think the he's way still that a, he, he's still a citizen, he's a civilian. He is, but he presented him like the way he, he presented himself. They they made he made them respect him because he showed like he kind of like disarmed them from the he beginning. He represented respectability politics. He absolutely did. He tried to disarm them and he tried to befriend them with respect. And I think in the beginning he saw himself as helping the community. He tried to help the young boy and the boy called him a Tom. And I was like, what the hell? Why is he calling him a Tom? Yeah. But then he inserted himself into the main tension of the situation. He was the only person, a black person who didn't have to be there. And when he got there, he did, he didn't help them. He he kept trying to he was trying to good cop them into confessing to something that they didn't fucking do. Well, no, clearly somebody had a gun. It wasn't a real gun. It, it was a toy gun. It wasn't a real gun, but still nobody opened their mouth about this. If it was a real gun or not, like he was shooting. He was first. Let's just be clear about this. And I, I want to be 100 percent clear about this. If I had a dumbass friend that was doing some shit like that. If you're going to shoot, let it be real bullets. You understand what I'm saying? Like, let us not die over you having playing a fucking joke. And not shoot like six times. Like, just let off one shot and yeah. be good. Like, you you would have let off one shot. You would have been straight. Nobody would have known. Exactly. But you just keep shooting from the same window. Exactly. That's not, there's nothing. There's nothing like honorable about that. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that there's anything honorable honorable about that, but I think that them not snitching means something. It's like this situation is already bad. Let me not make it worse. And let's also be clear. Everybody in the room didn't witness who was shooting. They didn't necessarily know where it was coming from. Yeah. I'd say, what was it like? How many other people were in the room with him? Was it two or three? It was two. Uh, no, I think it was three. Yeah, what, two, two, two yeah. that were in the room with him, probably. Yeah. Okay. The rest of them had no idea where that was coming from to be able to answer. They genuinely did not know. Right, but they all knew he had a gun, though. Except for Anthony Mackey's. They character. knew he had a toy gun. Yeah, but, but they were not in the room when he was shooting to know that that's where the gunshots were coming from to be able to say there is a gun. They never recovered the toy gun in real life. Right, but here's the thing. Okay, and it, so this is here's the other point to it to me. The man was dead, right? So pinning the fact that he was shooting this gun, I don't think that's a snitching move at this point. He, there you has know, to he be can't. a motivation for why they why though for why what why they didn't say anything. Oh, because they, because you could, they be can, a, you could be an accomplice if you were in the room. Nobody died didn't. though, so there's no real crime. There's no bullets to recover. There's no bullets in the gun. It's just a starter pistol. It just Wait, makes isn't that noise. Like attempted assault or something no. like that. No. No. In order, in order for it to be that, there has to be real danger. There is no real danger. That's no different than you clapping really loud in a room and scaring somebody. They were afraid, but there's no bullets recovered and nobody was harmed. Yeah. So, yeah. so no, it's it, it's an illusion. You yeah. might have been scared, but you were never in danger. So you're saying like, so if somebody shot of if so, if you heard gunshots right outside of your house, right? And they sounded extremely close. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell you wouldn't call the police because like your window didn't crack I've, or I've I've never called the police because I've heard gunshots. Right. Well, neither would I. But like if they were that. <laughs> but you just asked <laughs> that, me when you're, you're like, right. neither would I. But, but, no. but I'm just saying like, OK, just take yourself hypothetically out of it. I don't, I don't have it. anything like, to contribute other than I heard a gunshot. I don't know where it came from. I can't gauge how far away it is. Unless it's in the fucking room with me right. to be able to say where it's coming from. I have no idea. 
And so I don't really have anything to contribute other than to exacerbate the situation. And maybe that's just me being a black person and reacting the way that I react to something like that. Now with some white people like on my porch threatening each other. And I was like, ain't nobody going to die in front of my fucking house tonight. I called the cops on him. Nobody ever called a shot a gun, but I knew what was going on. Well, I just, I just want to be clear on what you're saying here because you're almost saying that like the police shouldn't have even, the police shouldn't have been there. Oh, no, I'm not saying the police shouldn't have been there. But what I'm saying is it was perceived danger as opposed to real danger. They weren't ever in any real danger. Did they did they use a fake gun and they like pointed it at a cop? Uh, They pointed out the window window. and shot. It was like it was a starter pistol, which means that it doesn't fire bullets. It just makes a really loud noise. But they see. okay, so the thing was, they were about probably about 500 yards away. Okay, And this guy was shooting out the window. The guy who played uh, Easy E in Straight Outta Compton, he was shooting a starter pistol out the window. So, you know, there was already high tensions because of the riots and rebellions and all that stuff that was going on. And if I was his friends, I'd have beat the shit out of him. That's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I'm curious about what their motivations for not saying anything was. Well, the only well, and they never found the gun. They never found the starter pistol. Did the police see him do it or they just heard it? They just heard it. No, they they saw this. They also saw the spark from the gun out Mm -hmm. the window. So they heard it and they saw the spark. I don't think in that in that instance anybody's gonna question whether or not that's a gunshot you know this is not you don't have a permit to shoot but they do know that no one got shot well okay so but still somebody shooting a gun out of a window and i and what they're perceiving they brought in the national guards tensions are high like why would you escalate that any further you know now do i believe that it happened like that that's a whole nother thing i don't know that could be for the for film purposes, but it could be for film. I'm very curious about that. I'm cu- I'm curious if that was dramatized or I'm very curious about that because mm. it does say in the movie that portions of the movie were dramatized. I would le- I would err on the side that it probably was not dramatized mm-hmm. because a survivor was in the room when that happened. When that happened, right? Um, so, so, but yeah. So my so back to your point. Why? Um, nobody. You know, you're curious to wonder why nobody stepped up and said anything or whatever the case may be, the way they were framing it was like a sniper was in the window. So if you're thinking snipers in the window, you think a sniper gun, you know, rifle, whatever the kind, you know, whatever the thing may be. And you're not thinking to yourself that this starter pistol is the problem. You know what I'm saying? Uh Because later on in the courtroom, the the girl said, or not in the courtroom, when they took the the two white girls, the hotel, she was like, uh, you know, something about the gun being fake or something like she that. She was, was like, if anyone gun. had a gun, it was a toy. It was a toy. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, she wasn't in the room when it was fired to know that it was even coming from that room. Right. So, yeah. so, so she, so if she could have thought it was a real sniper, that there was a sniper, she didn't know. She didn't have that information. She was operating in the blind too. She right. just knows that she heard gunshots and she knows that she wasn't a part of it. And she knew that the black man that she was in the room with was also not a part of it. Right. And And I think that's the point of it is that like, when you step back and look at it, there were there some people that asserted themselves. Were there some situations that shouldn't have happened? Absolutely. But was everybody's motivation for being there somewhat like did was there a purpose behind it? Yes. Everybody's motivation except for John Boyega's character. He is the only person who did not fucking need to be there. Well, but all right. So you're mad that he showed up. His job was to protect the store. He was not doing his job. He left his job. To insert himself into that situation. But are you mad he showed up? Yeah. Why? Because he didn't fucking help. He didn't hurt. He did not fuck. He hurt himself. He didn't fucking help. He hurt himself. Yeah. Well, they I, pinned it on him in the end. He, true. 
But I'm on the side with Martin, too, that I, I feel like the brutality would have been way worse had he not been there. You we know? don't know. We don't know that because we, there there are witnesses in the room other than him. The people who survived are also witnesses. Right. And they they, you know, they went through this murder game, quote unquote, of them pretending to kill people to scare the other ones into a confession. Mm-hmm. So a quick rundown. They fired a they fired a fake gun out of a window and cops basically descended upon the room and killed someone. Yeah, the cops, the National Guard, like the state, state police. police, they all and John a, Boyega, the fucking that's security a lot of people. guard. The trailer looked like there was like four people in the room, so they all showed up for four people in the room. Yeah, but okay. what 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 ended up happening? And I I had asked this question right off the rip. Um, that you know, the Detroit police seemed to have complete control over it, mm-hmm. even though the National Guards were there. So I was like, why the fuck? When the know? National Guard was already in the city, right? Yeah, they were already in the city. What killed me though is that. That what they showed was like, I don't know, I think it like represents the white moderate. I know that something wrong is going on, but I'm not going to fucking do anything to fix it. So like when the state police showed up, um, they didn't, they knew that something was going on that didn't look right. Right. right? But they were like, I'm not getting in this Involved shit. Involved with some civil rights shit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, what's the right thing to do? These people are human beings. Like, you know what right. I mean? I've right. always wondered that about, about white people during the 60s. Because I'm sure there were like white people who were like pretty cool. But they didn't do anything. That's what's going on right now in 2017. Yeah, yeah. So here's the part to me that, you know, and I feel like this was probably more of the, this is more dramatized. The actual main cop in the film, right? Uh, Will Poulter's character, Krause. Oh, Will Poulter's in the movie? Yeah, yeah. He was like the main bad cop, right? So our first interaction with him, he's talking and he's talking about how Almost how, like, it's fucked up how disenfranchised these people are. But they're animals in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's... And he feels, and this is something that I encounter in having exchanges with people on social media. He feels that he knows what our mindset is, having never experienced what it is like to be a black person, right? right? And he, he thinks that he knows how we should feel and that he has the fucking solution to what we should do, right? right? Never never once listening to us, but saying, well, I'm going to tell you what you need to do and how you should feel, and I have the authority over you. Like, you need my fucking direction. Right. That I was think basically it, what he conveyed. I think it it was also a thing of he felt like the police force was failing and that somebody needed to step up and do something. Cause he said, we're failing these people. Like look at this neighborhood. Like all these people are looting all this fire and all this rioting. Right. He's like, well, somebody needs to cross the line and do the right thing and step up. And that, that um, mentality is like what I think drove him throughout most of the movie. But right. it's very interesting that in his mind, what he should do is, Kill people, yeah, like because yeah, yeah, right no. after that he shoots yeah. Tyler James yeah. in the back as yeah. he's running away. That was crazy. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah, that's and crazy. what was also so I think like symbolic, right? We talk about the police force knowing that people should not be cops or that you know they have some questionable behavior and then sending them back to work. He gets called into the precinct and um, I guess it's like internal affairs. Yes. Um, an investigator within the police department is like, well, we know that you shot this guy. And he's like, I'm recommending murder charges. And then they send him the fuck back into the street. Right. Like, you know that this person is dangerous. You know that he's murdered someone. You know that his judgment is not good. But you send him back to work. Yeah. 
I think because the the jails were like over. They <laughs> were over, that. <laughs> they were overstuffed with people, so I guess they felt like, well, it was more important to have bodies on the streets than it was to actually take a murderer off the street. So mm-hmm. that's crazy yeah, to me because insane. you're thinking that people are going to get hurt, but I'm like, this guy's fucking dangerous. Like he's already killed someone. Like I would I would mourn the dead body, not the fucking broken television. This is true. Yeah, very good point. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> shit. I, mean, I can't follow that up because that's real. Um, Freddie Gray. Well, I don't even think his <laughs> his captain wasn't even in that scene. Really, it was just the IA guy. So the IA would have to IA guy would have to make a report and then tell his captain. But I don't even think the captain talked to him in that scene. Right? Because well, he kind of he kind of he rushed out of there, right? Yeah. Like he kind of like but the. Rushed out of there I, yeah. and then and jumped back on the streets and kind of dismissed everything really fast. So, you it know, was like he knew he was going to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I, did act that way. And I feel like that mentality kind of comes up when you're pretty much like it was like a war zone mm-hmm. then and stuff like that. So I feel like the law kind of favors the cops in those situations where it's like when there's so much upheaval going on, it's like. The cops can't be at fault. In a Not way. even in those mm-hmm. situations. The law favors the cops. Period. Oh, yeah, m- most of the time, yeah. But um, it's just like I feel like that's that that's what they're in. It's like it's war. Like we can't put our soldiers away. So just get back out there and just do what you do. And you know, like I mean, it's fucked up. But I feel like that's just kind of the way it is. And I feel like we're starting to see that happen more and more. See, okay, I think what mm-hmm. you just said is mm-hmm. very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're starting to see it. I think I think I, I think it's being filmed more. It's it's more. I think we have more access to yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I said this to Treasy in an earlier conversation. I think this film is very important and is very timely. I think there's a gap in our access to this information, and I think that, I mean, like I said, my way of thinking is shifting more and more. Even listening to the dialogue in the movie, she was like, "This is the '60s. I can be with a black man, right?" Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like. Even in that moment, she was thinking that race relations were progressing past a terrible point Mm -hmm. to where certain behaviors are like antiquated. And you're looking back at this movie and it played out the exact same way several current events have. And I'm like, I don't think we've come as far as we like to think that we have. I think we have in our head like this idealistic vision that we're not like the people in this country 50 years ago. And I'm like, yes, the fuck we are. It, mm-hmm. We haven't come that far. Mm-hmm. Mentalities haven't changed as much as we like to think that they have. Well, honestly, I'm going to keep it 100. Like, and I, I feel what you're saying. I just feel like it's not fair for us to answer that because we weren't there for that. Like, you know, like, I, I think it, it comes down to perspective of who you talk to. You That's know, fair. you know what I'm saying. So I, I don't, I don't really like to say that things haven't come that far. Well, they haven't I, changed that much. That yeah. in ter- in terms of how situations like that play out, they haven't changed that much. Well, yeah. If this film is any indicator, then yes. You know what I'm saying. They haven't changed that much. But I know I haven't had, and I personally haven't had this experience. You understand no. what I'm saying? So, so that's and most so, of us won't. Yeah. So, so I think most people then didn't have that experience, right? Maybe I mean, see, see, and that's and that's the way that I don't know. That that becomes the weird part because it's like, you know, you see these riots, and then you you know, you're like, you're, but you they consistently like, happen. Yeah, you almost feel like there was no way to not get caught up in that. Like, even look at even look at like um, 
you know, Algie Smith's character, you know, look at Larry, look at Jake. Uh, Jacob Latimer. Uh, yeah, Jacob Latimer. Fred. Oh, Fred, oh, yeah. What was it? It was, oh, it was Fred. Fred. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You look at their characters. Like, they didn't, they, man, they, they tried every They yeah. tried every way to avoid it. You know what I'm saying? Every way their to avoid it. collateral damage, yeah. Correct. You know what I mean? Um, and, and even down to Anthony Mackie's character. It's like, it almost... These kind of films paint it like that there was no way that you could avoid it if you were here in this time. Like, I don't think that that's any different now. And I think that that's a clear indication that no matter who you are, this can happen right. to you. And I think a lot of times um, we talk about police um, killings. I don't I mean, well, I'll be fair. I won't call them murders, but we right. talk about police killings and we talk about police brutality and the, the the people who die are then put on trial as opposed to the people who took a life, right? It's like, well, what kind of person was this? And we have to look in, and scrutinize their life down to, like, you smoked weed once, so you must be a horrible criminal. Right. I think this movie is a is a great indication that regular people get caught up in crazy situations like this, too. People mm-hmm. who had nothing to do with this get caught up in in crazy situations like this too. It can happen to you. And it did happen to these people who were not out stealing, who were not out looting. Um, for the most part, most of the people involved were just minding their fucking business. Right. Right. Agreed. Um, honestly, like another thing that really hit me with this movie is like, I don't know if this was on purpose, but the way that like a lot of these people died or the way you saw the brutality, it was like, I would have a flashback to an exact case that had, like that played mm. out that exact way. Like when he uh he shot the easy dude in the back and threw like the knife down. That reminded me of the case where the cop shot this guy in the park and then threw his taser on him and said he tried to take it from him. Right. Or like how the guy got choked out. Like I think it wasn't Michael Brown, the guy in a You're talking in, about um, um in New York. Yeah, in yeah. New York, yeah. Uh not Freddie Gray. Um, nah, Freddie Gray was, was Chicago. Yeah, that no, was a, a, a that was the one that broke his yeah. neck. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a shame. This Eric Garner. Yeah, Eric Garner. Eric Garner, yeah. yeah it's like, it I was, was thinking about Walter Scott when he yeah. shot um, when he shot Tyler James in the back. I'm like, yeah. he's fucking running from you. Yeah. I think that's a shame that it, there's just so many that it's, you know, it's hard to keep up with them. How many of these cop-related killings that, you know, happen. And, you know, so I, I, I'll give you credit on that. I feel like, um, it, you know it was almost no big deal to these guys. You know what I'm saying? This killing game, it was just like... They're not even people. Yeah, they're not even people, man. And and I, I, I do feel like that authority um, escalates that in addition to the fact that race, you know, race is still an issue, um, but then throw authority on top of that. Then you get this attitude that you should be this and I should be that. and Because you know. this is the way we line up. You have to be the person. Right. And, and don't get me wrong because... <laughs> I've had someone, shout out to you, Shamir, be like, you say I'm super left-wing cop hater. I'm not a cop hater. And in this movie, I feel like there was a balanced portrayal of probably what um, attitudes are among cops. It's like, I don't want to go against my own. I don't want to get involved. But there were cops in this movie who were like, fuck you guys. You deserve to go down for this. Mm -hmm. So um, I did appreciate that. That it wasn't one-sided in that way. It gave wow. you a, a full picture on both sides of black people and of these police in this situation. There was there was one scene I thought was kind of like phony or whatever. That it, it was kind of like a Blue Lives Matter scene. 
when uh the singer he's running away from the house the and then the cop sees him he was like well who would do this with somebody i'm like yo we, in the beginning of the movie it's just cops beating the shit out of black people like on the street yeah. in broad daylight you're like well how would this happen like yeah. seriously because some people are but i think that's that's representative of a lot of people's um way of viewing even current events like well, yeah. you must be doing something wrong or like what kind of animal would do this? What kind of person would do what? Like a lot of people behave this way. And it, we can tell you a million times that it's happening. And for some reason, it's like un, unrealistic. You have to rationalize it as something else. So a question for you guys then, like, so we're taking the, taking the incidences of the film, take, you know, having, you know, fanning out the characters in the film and all of this, right. What message, what do you feel like Catherine Bigelow was trying to say with this film? You know, was she was she standing up for the disenfranchised or was she giving clarity to the perspective of, you know, what happens when people feel like they're doing their job and they have to, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get a perspective on what you guys think that her message and the reason for making this film was. Yeah, I mean, I think she was really trying to show a balanced view on all different sides and also just how these situations can get out of hand and. What actually transpires Mm -hmm. in these situations, and I think she did a really good job just showing that. So do so do you look at like the cops' actions as justified? Um, I feel like I could understand why they did what they did. Seriously, I I, I, no, I'm saying it's fucked up. What they Mm -hmm. did was fucked up, but I'm saying I understand the logic behind if you're a police officer and you're in essentially a war zone type thing. Like tensions are going to be high and stuff. So all the actions that happened were justified. The cops were definitely in the wrong, but I just feel like she was kind of showing just how something like this can happen and kind of showing it in a in a truth a truthful way. I feel like that's what she was trying to do. But my thought process mm-hmm. is this: you show up because you think that there's gunshots coming from this building. Right. Why not apprehend these people? I understand that the jail's over overcrowded, mm. but that's just what it is. People are committing crimes. Mm-hmm. How is this any fucking different? You're taking it personally because it's a perceived assault on someone who looks like you, and that's why you're behaving this way. Mm. Nobody fucking died. He kept saying cop killer, and I'm like, nobody fucking died. Nobody even fucking got shot because a gun can't fall, uh, fire bullets. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the correct course of action would be like, okay, they're not confessing. Let the detectives do their job, Mm -hmm. round these people up and take them to the precinct and figure out what's going on. When you find a gun, print the gun. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they didn't find a gun Mm -hmm. and no one was harmed. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, it may have gone away, it may not have, but that would have been the correct way to handle it. Not to play a, I'm going to kill you game Mm -hmm. and violate these people. I don't, I, that's the thought process that I don't process that I don't understand. I oh, think yeah. like you have a job, there's a protocol for your job, and you're way the fuck outside of it because mm-hmm. of your emotions. Mm-hmm. It's it's, and that's that's what I think we see a lot. It's mm-hmm. like I have to defend my authority more so than I'm going to act in a way that is in accordance with what I am trained to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. That's how they should have handled it. But I feel like the way they were handling it is almost like they're at war with the people. Like, it's almost like uh, they, they said, like, yo, it looks like Vietnam out here. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the, the mindset they're in. And I feel like once they're kind of in that state, like, all rules are kind of out the window. It's almost like they see black people as terrorists at this point. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to eliminate the threat. That's pretty much the basic motive I feel like the cops were kind of going for. We got to eliminate the threat. Let me ask a question, uh, mm-hmm. not knowing this. My personal beliefs about cops, I think that there there are bad cops. Mm-hmm. And then I think there are good cops who made a very bad decision. 
is mm-hmm. that where this goes, or is well, this? No, they're horrible ass cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay. I, I feel like she, Catherine Bigelow did try to touch on that just like a little bit, like okay. the naive cop who actually shot the dude in the back. Fucking like, right. He, yeah. He, yeah, that sounds really he, bad for the. He, <laughs> like, it it sounds really, really bad, but there again, it, it goes back to the whole Nazi mentality where it's like you know how did all these people get killed by people who seem like normal, right. normal mm-hmm. people or whatever? Right. Like that, that, that herd that mentality. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and that's pretty yeah. much what we see happen. Yeah, basically, it was one dominant cop. Okay, that was that sort of like stewed everything. He okay. was the director in the situation. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was the director and everything. Um, you know, but I, I'm kind of with Jesse where it's like she gave us she she you know, normally they would have just thrown that character in there and there would have been no understanding of how this person thought. You know, so she just, had him verbalize it, yeah. Yeah, he, so he verbalized how he felt. So now we understand we we get why he escalated things to the degree that he escalated them because he was just, you know, he thought he was doing the, he felt like he was, like, he was the person that had to do something about this, you know, and that's what we see a lot. Like you said, you know, the, we get these people that feel like, oh, I know the fucking answer and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take shit into my own hands and do this and, you know, and then they fuck up the system, you know, and everybody's sort of a casualty of that. Um, and then, you know, and then it's like, I don't know, the police, other police members get bullied into going along with this to that's some exactly what it was like it was yeah. like a weird fraternity exercise and yeah. he thought it was real and he ended up killing someone because he felt like he couldn't be for lack of putting this a different way he couldn't be the pussy in the situation yeah, right right yeah so um so i i, I feel you I, I i do feel you in that jesse like that's what made this a little bit more unique is that we had a, a better omniscient perspective of the parties involved you know, at least the main players. What do you What do you think, Martin? What do, What would you say? Her? Um, I think she um, had two um, purposes for making this movie. The first is like having an instructional guy. Like, I'm gonna make a two hour movie about how police brutality works and how these situations play out, just to like show people who like don't are in disbelief. And because it's Catherine Bigelow, like a lot of people who might not have watched it, if it was a black director, are gonna watch it, mm-hmm. and they. Hopefully their eyes would be open to that situation. But I don't think anybody who watches this movie can come away from it and not understand like how police brutality works. And I also think she made this, like I said before, it reminded me of so many cases that happen right now. Mm-hmm. I think she made it just to say, like, well, nothing has changed in like 50 years. Right. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. But um, yeah, that's uh it's heavy. Regardless, man, it's you know, it's a lot of heavy uh it's just a lot of heavy messaging that came out of that, man. And, and it was very emotional, very tense. Um, I wasn't on the edge of my seat, but I always had like this pit in my stomach, like shit, yeah. man. Like, and it never went away. Like, never she, went she, away. she keeps just hitting you with yeah. it, hitting you with I'm not, it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like the uh, the scene with, um, who was it? it? The guy from The Wire. You know, he's hey, growing up. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Marlow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, um, like I didn't really get emotional doing any of the... Uh, police brutality stuff with the killing stuff but when he they had to tell him about his son oh like when God. he's in the family I was definitely tearing up Yeah, but I think tough. that that was a really important scene to say like these people are full human beings mm-hmm. and what that means is that they mean something to someone to somebody, and while right. you're looking at them as the suspect or the threat they are loved right. and people mourn the loss of their loved one right. when you make these decisions because you're afraid. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, uh. And he was grabbing baby pictures. And yeah, that was that was a tough scene, man. So let me use that scene. Let me use that to pivot into the acting and the acting in this film was like so amazing, man. I don't I can't think of anybody who didn't play the shit out of their character, man. Even down to like Laz Alonzo, you know, playing John Conyers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, first of all, and I was telling Lizzie this earlier, man, I think Laz Alonzo is very underutilized in Hollywood. I think he's a very strong actor. I love his progression from BET to where he's at now. And I just think he's very underutilized in Hollywood. So I'm pro Laz Alonzo out here. I, uh, are you pro Anthony Mackie? I love Anthony Mackie too. Yeah, I, I like, don't love Anthony Mackie. I love him in this yeah, movie. This movie, yeah, <laughs> he did, he did um, this role. To your point, though, and what we were talking about earlier is that he was portraying John Conyers, but I was looking at him and I was seeing Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, he he looks like Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, and I was just like, why oh, they got man. Chadwick Boseman? <laughs> because yeah. Chadwick Boseman is the fucking biopic Negro. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad at you. Though. I'm not mad at Black Panther, yeah. but please give somebody else a chance to play somebody black yeah. and important he, he other than him. He, he can't play every motherfucker. He now. is not every black man. Yeah, just like Corey's not every white actor. All right, all right. I was waiting for the I, uh, after the dude in the audience was like, or not in the audience, but in the crowd was like, "Yeah, man, fuck you! Won't want to hear that." Bring Stokely. I was like, "Oh shit, we gonna see some Stokely Carmichael?" Like, and he, you didn't. Yeah, we didn't. I was <laughs> yeah. hoping they'd bring him out, but um, yeah, the, the acting was amazing. This is my first time really, because you know I haven't seen the Star Wars still, so this is my first time really seeing. You don't John, need to see it. Okay, that movie see, sucks. I like it. Watch uh, it. Shout out to episode shut seven. Up, Corey. Sucking, <laughs> sucking a mean dick. Shut the, the fuck movie up. Sucks. But John, shut up. John Boyega, man, he murdered this man. Like, yeah, I, honestly, like what I loved about his character is well, my grandfather. He he lived in Philly for a while, but he grew like he raised his family in Tennessee, and so he he lived in like the sixties and the fifties and stuff. So he dealt with a lot of racism, and what he would tell my dad when he was he would be really angry about racism in Tennessee. He would say, well, do you want to be dead right? Is that what you want to be? And I get that. It's kind of a politics of respectability, but he was saying like, yeah, this generation, you're going to deal with it. And more and more generations are going to deal with it less and less, but I don't want you to die. So you're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to realize what battles to fight and what, which ones to like turn the other cheek. Right. So I kind of really respected uh, John Boyega. Or I, I at least understood that mentality that John Boyega's character had. Yeah, me too. You know, and it just kind of to combat something you said, Lizzie, like about asserting himself and, you know, the respectability politics, man. I mean, he verbatim, he told, you know, the the the, the light-skinned guy. Wow, what was his name, man? I can't remember. The one. The tall one. The tall one. Yeah, he <laughs> told him. He was like, yo, I just, just lived through the night, bro. Like, it, you know, it wasn't about like shucking and jiving or nothing. It was like, yo, my only, yo, just live through the night, bro. He said that and it didn't matter. They still killed him. And I think no, that he, was no, the point. Survived. He lived. That character survived. Yeah. Jacob Latimer did everything he was supposed to do too. He was compliant. He stood against the wall. He didn't fight back. He died anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think as the audience surrogate, like at that point, you're like, you want him to say, no, fuck that. You did this terrible thing. And of course, that's how it ended it for him. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, in that moment, I mean, for people who had already committed some acts of murder, you know, and and they're saying, "What do you see?" You know, again, it's 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 what Martin's saying. Like, do you want to be dead right though? Like, obviously, you know they killed them, and you know how this story's going to end if you're opposing them. But like, 
What do you care more about? Are you saying he deserved to die? I'm not saying he deserved to die. You're saying I'm saying he caused that he, his own death. No, I'm saying that he made he made a poor choice right then. That's what I'm saying. In that particular wow. situation, he made a poor choice. What do you, you're telling the guy that murdered people? You well, we murdered people. Well, we don't know what he actually did in that situation. I'm fairly confident yeah. that was dramatic, um, dramatized. Yeah, well, it, because probably, he's dead. He's not here to tell the story, and cool. the other people who are alive to tell the story weren't in the room when right. it happened. But we're speaking about the, the incidents movie. that, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, in that particular case, you telling a murderer that they're a murderer, like what? Like what point does that serve? That's self-serving. I just, I, this, okay, listen. This is a situation where we're expecting him to know all the right things to do. And he's an extremely stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And he also, he seems kind of naive and sheltered to an extent where he wouldn't understand. Like he might know of. That's police. the way it yeah. came off the way to me too, that, that he yeah. didn't understand that he was playing a game in that moment. And that there was a fucking right answer. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, yeah. he didn't know he was going to die. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. He he did. I mean, he gave the wrong. I'm not. Well, saying I think he, he might have known he, he was going to die, but his emotions were so high that he that kind of drove him in that moment. Yeah, I can agree there. You know, um, you're saying he chose poorly, but I don't think that he understood the consequences of that choice well, to be able to know that that was a poor choice to say that I need to I need to shuck and jive my way through this. Yeah. Well, given the third option, then absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm you're right. Given the third option that he just didn't. He was just completely stressed out. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll take that one. You know, but and, we're talking and, and about in that moment. If I did not know that the consequence for answering the question that way was that I'm going to fucking die. I might have answered it the same way, too. Hmm. Yeah, he might have thought they're going to punch me in my face. I'm just going to get beat. And then eventually, you know, they're going to Kunta Kinte me into being Toby. I don't know. Hmm. But he, he probably did not know that that response was going to be the catalyst for his death. Right. I agree. agree. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, so choosing wrong, I apologize. I don't mean that he chose wrong, but it was that was, you know, that was the wrong answer. Obviously, (laughs) I mean, obviously in the quiz of I'm going to fucking kill you if you Mm -hmm. don't tell me I didn't do shit wrong. Yeah, it's the wrong answer. But well, well, then let let this be to be be, fair to you. Yeah, to be fair to me. But then also. So let me just use this moment to, I guess, maybe preach to the choir of people that may be in a situation like this in the future. I think anytime. A person who has done something is asking you, what did I do? You know, I I, I just, you know, you just may want to, you don't want to tell them what they did. You know? Unless you, know you got a weapon is- yourself. Huh? Unless you got a weapon yourself. Yeah, there's no <laughs> point in telling, you know what you did. You cheated on a test. I mean, you know. I Why mean, I tell you? so here's the thing, too. I think that that's a very interesting perspective. Just go home. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of the cops think this way. I just need to go home. And so I make these decisions because I want to go home. If I have to choose between me and you, I'm going home. Mm. But they are the ones with all the power. Mm. And that's the thing I think they forget. You have the power to make this other person not go home. They don't necessarily have that power over you. And you don't even give a fuck to to, to find out if they do before you end their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People, I mean, you know, there's movies and exams and tests on all this about you know, experiments with people do when they have power, you know, and uh, obviously it seems like it ends the same time, same way every time people, certain people with power just get excessive about it and, and all logic goes out the window, you know? Um, so especially, you know, when you introduce the logic of, you could have just arrested these people and it, it, it went totally in the wrong direction. You could have just arrested these people. So, um, 
And that would have been the right thing to do. And that that's the understandable thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, so I'm going to round these people up. And the people who are actually qualified to interrogate and investigate, let them do their let jobs. Do because job. in the movie, those people seem to have a moral compass that these people didn't have. Right. Yeah, that's what I like, too. You know, you know when they brought him in for questioning, obviously, when they brought uh, John Boyega's character in for questioning, that whole scene, I was like, oh, no, this shit is getting twisted. But then when I saw them doing it to the cops, too, I was like, oh, OK. So this they're really trying to get to the bottom of what happened here. They're, these people are the ones who are taking their job seriously and doing it the right way. Right. They're, they're doing it the right and way. It, and in the situation where John Boyega then becomes a suspect, you find out by the way that they're treating the cops as well that, like, it's not about him being black. They right. just genuinely want to get to the bottom of it. Right, right. And I, guess I don't he, think those cops went to jail, though, did they? No. No, they definitely didn't. No, they didn't. And and neither did uh, Demuse. Demuse. He did uh, go he to get, jail. No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't go to jail. He yeah. got off and he ended up, he got no, death threats. like, before the trial, he went to jail. No, he was, yeah, he was, yeah. he was there awaining trial, but yeah. he wasn't oh, sentenced to prison. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He went to jail, but he wasn't sentenced. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't sentenced. The real life story behind him is that he ended up getting death threats and had to leave the city. Leave the city, yeah. That's a, I wonder getting death threats from where? From the police side? Probably or? from black people. From black people? Maybe from I don't know. You know what? That that would be my perception though. Like you you just I don't know. I that's why I was angry at him. So maybe I'm projecting that onto my own community. I apologize, my mm. brothers and sisters. But right. but I mean he may have gotten death threats from cops because we didn't see his testimony in the movie right. to be able to say, I mean, if he was smart, he wouldn't have, because in that, at that point, he is an accomplice. Right. So if yeah. he was smart, he wouldn't have testified. He wouldn't have testified, right. So I guess to the the, the public perception of him, I would- Is that he was I, one of the cops. That, that he participated. Yeah. See, that's, 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 that's crazy. I mean, that's, you know, that's fucked up when you really think about it, because- I mean, then, then that's where I get with your whole you shouldn't asserted yourself thing. But he didn't have any business being there. Yeah. I'm sorry. He didn't have any business being there. And ultimately, he did not help. Yeah. But mm, it just makes and you I wonder, think that his behavior right gave credence to some of the treatment that those people received. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. It's I, I think that he served as. Like I said, the person who preaches respectability politics, right? So you have to think about that in the context of how black people are used as pawns um, in the social justice space. Mm -hmm. You have these people who are fighting for what we perceive to be our humanity and our civil rights. And then there's they always find a black person to speak up to say, well, if you just pull up your pants, if you just are respectful, these things don't happen to you. You got to do the right thing and these things don't happen to you. And at the end of the day, that's not fucking true. Well, I think he absolutely knew these things could happen happen to you. I think he was just being a realist like, okay, this is a terrible situation. I need to, I'm going to tell you everything you can do to maybe get a better outcome of what's about to happen. Right. But ultimately, it didn't help. But he still had a... He, the intent, he, that was the his intent motivation. Was, yeah. His intent was pure. Yeah. And I think that people who preach respectability politics have an, a pure intent. Their intent is to help. It's not to make you look like you're beneath them. That's not, that's not their mindset. Right. It's not their mindset to paint you as a criminal. It's not their mindset to paint you as a thug. They understand that in the culture, these things are acceptable. And if you just didn't do this, maybe someone would look at you differently. I don't think that those people think that I'm internally oppressed and 
Um, I'm I'm working to to continue this narrative of that these things qualify who you are as a human being. And that's a totality of who you are as a person. I don't think that that's how people who preach respected respectability politics think. I don't think that at all. I think that they genuinely think that they're helping. Mm, And you and you don't think that they're helping. No. So what do you think that they're doing? Like, what do you what do you give credence to other people saying the same fucking thing to us? To say that, well, you should do these things and change who you are so another person doesn't fucking kill you. How about you just not fucking kill me? How about you let you respect me and give me the space to be an individual because me sagging my pants doesn't mean that I'm going to fucking harm you. Me talking a certain way doesn't mean that I'm going to fucking harm you. I don't need to be any different for my life to be valued. Ag- agreed, but you, you're, you're completely, I think, neglecting the other person, the, the, the opposing side. Like, I think the idea of respectability politics is, yo, you can't control how the other person acts. All you can do is mitigate the action between you doing it and them responding to it. So it's like, I don't, okay. Perfect example, right? You want to talk respectability politics. You went to HU, right? I sure did. Okay. So I went to Hampton university laboratory school, right? Which is obviously a big difference, but it was like a, a, like a, you know, like a school, like an elementary school on HU's campus. Their whole thing is take off their hat when you come in when you come inside mm-hmm. of a building. Mm-hmm. That's respectability politics. So this is how I think about that because I remember there was a big and it was my school and we talked about it amongst ourselves, right? So we don't we don't discuss in house business outside of business. So I won't get into what people had to say um, from our own community, but I will talk about my perspective on that. This is my understanding of how that should function. We are not in a position where we have equity in a lot of situations. So what we do is we need to create that equity and we need to function this way until we can function that way. I need to get in the door to open the door for you to come through behind me. So that's what that is, which is completely different than don't that, act this way and you won't die. Wait a minute. That doesn't make it. It, it really doesn't make it sense. It does make me. sense. It's, it's, to, it's to say that I'm going to come through the door being as compliant as possible so that I can leave the door open for me to pull you through it behind me. So if you pull me through and I want to wear my hat, that's a problem. Though. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm going to come through the door to make inroads for you to come through behind me. And once I go through the door, I can change the tone of the situation. But I got to get through the door first. I, I'm, I'm I can't wear my I can't wear my locks so that I can open the door for you to wear yours. I have to get into the situation before I can change it. Jesse Martin, are y'all understanding this, or am I am I stupid? But if it's the establishment won't let you, then. I have to get into the door before I can pull you through it I behind get, I me. understand that. Like, you can have an, an agenda. Like, I'm going to get through the door, and I'm going to change things. I got to so get I in gotta, the room before so I can I, change things. So well, I, I got to yeah. deal with this bullshit that the system is telling me that I have to do. But what if you can't change it? You can. We have to get equity. But how we is that build different than respectability politics? It's not. It's about you occupying the space. So I'm confused about your position it's not on say, it. No. What I'm saying is this. Me telling you... To look this way and 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 um, behave this way is for you to get in the door. It's not about me saying that there's something wrong with it. I'm so I'm legitimately confused. Well, because well, 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 we were talking. Well, about, if you talk about HU, because if HU has a policy, you can't wear your hat, and you come in and say we should wear hats, 
and your yeah. boss. No, that's it. not what I'm talking about. Okay. Ham- Hampton is, I feel like that's what he's talking that's what about. I'm talking he's talking about, about the no, no, hat no, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. What I'm saying is there, there's a way that you conduct yourself on the campus, and it is codes of conduct. And even as a woman, you can't wear your fucking hat. Like, I tried to go register for a house, and my hair was a mess, and I had a hat on. And it was like, you going to have nappy hair in this room before you ask me for anything. <laughs> so, that's funny. So what I'm talking about is it's conditioning you to – to be able to function in certain spaces. You're saying the bigger picture. You yeah, here, and I'm not you ta- don't wear. I'm not talking about a hat. I'm talking about our business school had, um, and I'm sure y'all will correct me, my family out there, if I'm wrong. But our business school had a policy for MBA students that you could not have locks or cornrows to complete the process. And the thought process behind that. This is the way I I think about it. I can't speak for the people who put the rule in. And it's that I'm not against the rule to say that you need to wear your hair this way, not because it's not respectable to wear your hair this way, not because it's not acceptable to wear your hair this way. It's because we need you to get in the space to make room to pull other people through the door. That's what I'm saying. And so there's a way that they teach you to behave in certain spaces so that you can change them. That's what I'm saying. You don't feel like that's what respectability politics is all about? No, because it's not saying this is not acceptable. It's not a judgment on there's something wrong with you if you do this. It's like, hey, I need you to get into this room and I'm teaching you how to get into the room so you can change it. Oh, okay. There we go. Now I get the problem. I don't think people, when you talk about respectability politics, let's talk about John Boyega's character. Okay. I don't think he's saying do this shit because this is the only way shit is going to be done. It's live so you can change shit. I think it's implied that if you live, you can live long enough to fight shit and change shit. I don't know that. And I'm going to tell you why I don't think that, right? That's my mindset on behaving certain way in certain spaces, right? Right. Get in there, do what you can, pull the next brother behind you, right? right? John Boyega really wanted to to be accepted by this other group of people. He aspired to be like them. That's not what I'm saying. I don't aspire to transcend my blackness. I want to embody it. So if I have to behave this way until I can do that, that's what I'm saying, which is totally different than saying, don't be this way because it's not okay. I don't think anything yeah. in the movies said that he ins- he aspired. Like even with the National he Guard, He was so I concerned think he was trying- about making them comfortable. Well, yeah, he's and that trying. wasn't his fucking job. He could have stayed in the store all night and not had a problem for the rest of his life. He w- that's crazy. I felt like he was just trying to ease tensions on. That's all he was trying to do. Essentially, that's all he was trying to. Because I didn't perceive him that way. I perceived him as the so, Uncle Tom. But, but, and like I said, initially I didn't, and then I was like, shit. So, so you feel like Martin Luther King was an Uncle Tom? Absolutely not. Because it's almost the same shit. And no, it's not. Martin Luther King didn't talk like that. I'm gonna need you to revisit Dr. King. I mean, okay, if we take if we if we clickbait them, okay, if we clickbait them and talk about I I'm have a dream. To, no, no I, see, everybody I, loves to point out I have a dream because well, that's what you know. But I'm gonna need thing. you to know more about the but Dr. King the than thing. that. But okay, so we're okay. The reason why I'm gonna talk clickbait is because we only know a certain perspective of John Boyega's character, and you seem to be so comfortable in judging what you thought his intentions were from a two and a half hour movie. Okay, so you're judging his intentions. He's not a real person in the movie. He's a real person in real life. And I would love to sit down and talk to him if he's still alive. Right. I believe he is. But right. Well, I'm not judging that person. I'm judging that character. So Mm -hmm. you think he was more of an Uncle Tom than the guard who said, fuck that. I'm going to stay inside the grocery store and let whatever happens, happens. The, The guard that was staying inside the grocery store was doing his job. How can you say how can you say judge the character? Isn't it based on a real person? Yeah, but it's 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 dramatized. So I don't know how much of that is accurate. Right. I don't. The dialogue obviously is not accurate. Somebody wrote that. 
Yeah. I want you to watch this movie. I really wanted your opinion as a white person on this movie. You let me down. I love you anyway, though. Sorry, I told you. <laughs> I told you multiple times. I was highly unlikely I was going to be able to watch this movie, and yet you insisted that I be here, and I'm here. Okay, I appreciate you for that, but mm. I'm still talking shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't, it's, wait, wait. You told the black. Like, <laughs> I call it a white power fist, even though that's not what it is. Right. I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but he just threw up the black the power, power fist, fist right. but it's white. Yeah, that's just an interesting space, man. Because I, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's people that think the way you're thinking. There's people that think the way me, Martin, me, Martin, and Jesse are obviously. Well, I don't know Jesse's perspective on it, but. Um, it, that's just interesting, man, because people are so comfortable calling people Uncle Tom. I'm not super comfortable with that. Comfortable with that. Let me let me just say that I am not a fan of of that terminology. I don't like calling people house niggas. I'm not a fan of calling people coons either. Right. But to use the language in the movie, I agree with yeah. what the person called him. Right. Because because uh, almost like so just to take this to real life. Right. Like that whole situation with Colin Kaepernick and Michael Vick. You know what I'm saying? Where Michael Vick was like, I feel like he just needs to cut his hair and get a job. It's like essentially what you're saying is that like what he said about that is kind of what HU's policy is. Get in the door. No, and that way you no, can- no, 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 no. Michael Vick responded to Colin Kaepernick from the mindset of and I'm, I hate you for putting me in this position. I'm going to tell you off air why. But he responded to that situation from the mindset of someone who has been in trouble for mm-hmm. committing a crime before. Right. That is what his lawyers told him. Cut your hair, clean up your image. There's nothing about Colin Kaepernick's image that needs to be cleaned up. He I agree. stood up for something that he believed in. I agree. Well, so, his image in the in the view of the NFL owners, like that, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Like, but he they, hasn't committed may, a crime. That's yeah, something, but they see him as a criminal. He's not a criminal, though. So if he wants to get it, well. I know, yeah, but we all know, a, he's, we all know he's, he's not yeah, a criminal. Yeah, we all know he's not a criminal. <laughs> yeah. But if the NFL see him as that, if the NFL owners see him as that, I think Michael Vick was saying he needs to change his image so they see him as something else. Right. Why, though? Michael Vick actually did something, according to the law, that is wrong. And he went to prison for that. So he had to overcome that obstacle, which in his case, if that's what he felt like he needed to do to overcome that obstacle he was culpable in that situation i don't think that colin what colin kaepernick did was wrong you have to come that that to me says i'm speaking from the position of someone who thinks that what he did was wrong which i'm not going to put that on michael vick he was trying to help and he was trying to help based on his own experience the issue is that his experience is someone who has been criminalized well, even, yeah, I, I kind of so agree, I think, I think. I think we yeah. gave Michael Vick a hard time for that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But that's that's what that's what you have to understand, that his mindset is like, I'm approaching this from the way that I was taught to approach it to get back into the room. But you're getting back into the room because you did something illegal. And I think it's two different, like, they it's two different os- obstacles because Michael Vick, of course, he's fighting public opinion, how the public views him. And as Colin Kaepernick, he's basically fighting the owners. And how the whether or not the owners will let him on the team. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's fighting public opinion too. And I think that that's what the owners are concerned with. But I don't think that. But we don't. We don't get to see what the owners think. Like yeah. we see the tweets from people who what they think about Colin Kaepernick. But owners, we have no clue, except by like what GMs say they right. think. 
Yeah, it's just a weird space. That's all, man. It's just, it just no shade to Michael Vick. Yeah, no, yeah, none at all. And I didn't mean to use his example, but no, no, you can. It, I think it's a valuable conversation. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird space when you when you bring up that term. You know what I'm saying? Respectability politics, um, because it's all it's all subjective to where you sit and what and what your personal beliefs are. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of people being individuals too, but I mean, you know. Then, you know, I don't I can also say, yeah, pull your fucking pants up. You know what I'm saying? But I don't I don't I'm not saying that as like a ploy on somebody's character. It's just like, come on, fam. I don't want to see your ass cracking some more shit. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's you know, it's so it has nothing to do with I think you're less of a person because so, of that. So here's the thing or that you need to fit in because of that. Here's the thing. If you're not my child, I don't have the right to tell you that. You might not want to see it, but that person has the, the right to express themselves however they want to. And it doesn't have to be acceptable in your eyes. It doesn't. Real it talk. just doesn't. Yeah, and talk. I think a lot of people, you tell me this all the time. All, a lot, the, all the fucking time. That you put stock in your opinion. Way too much. <laughs> Love you too. Yeah. You put stock in your opinion of something in a way that you want to affect somebody else. Mm. And as much as I can look at someone and say, like, I don't appreciate how you're dressed today or your makeup's ugly. They have the right to wear whatever they want to wear. And my opinion of that is not the fucking gospel. Right. So I don't need to assert myself to tell you to pull up your pants. Are you breaking a law? No, you're not breaking a law. Right. That's just what it is. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But that doesn't mean that that person needs to change who they are to make me comfortable. And I think a lot of times that's what we preach to our children. Right. You need to change who you are to make white people comfortable we need to just be able to be and that needs to be okay the way that we relate to each other is okay we are totally comfortable with ourselves in certain situations now don't get me wrong you have to be able to communicate right you have to be able to effectively communicate code switching is a thing i do it there's a way that i'm going to relate to you that i'm not going to relate to somebody who can't communicate with me in the same way Mm -hmm. but that's not to say that the way that you're communicating that we communicate outside of the white gaze Mm -hmm. is wrong or that it's inferior. It's just not effective in that space. There's not a proper way to be according to somebody else's standard. That is my issue with respectability politics. If I want to have a big nappy Afro, that's who I want to be. And that is okay. And just because it doesn't fit somebody else's standard Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I need to stop being that way to make them comfortable. Right. So in summation, H U man, let motherfuckers wear hats, man. Stop playing <laughs> with that shit, man. For real. For real. Because like I don't care yeah. about the hat rule. I really don't. Yeah. I wear my head wrap. They just told me I couldn't fucking wear a snapback. So yeah, I was in violation. That's 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 them that's them. You can power wear a hat if you want to wear a koofy. You just can't wear your fucking snapback. That's, that's them power tripping though on on the low. On I the love low. my HIU. That's what's up. But they power tripping on the low, cause like, you know, you know, if you and, and my thing about that is I wouldn't, you know, how how you appear in front of another race, I don't care about that. But like you know, it's like not but cursing. But for a lot of people, that's what respectability politics is. You're yeah. embarrassing me in front of these white people. Right, right, right. I know for for me, it'd be more of a like, don't curse around my grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Like that sort of thing. Like that's have, to, have, that, that to me know, is different than respectability politics. Right. That's a conversation that you have with someone one on one as opposed to you presenting yourself to represent the community. Oh, and you yeah, give credence yeah. to somebody else treating okay. us a certain way because of that. I think I see a little bit more what you're saying now. Uh, when, when you put it in but that also, way. then the, the yeah, HU's private private school, right? Yep. You have the right to say you're going to dress however the hell we want you to dress when you come yep. here. Just like if you work at a Bank of America, you're not going to wear a t-shirt and jeans to work. You're going to wear a suit and tie, most likely. Yeah, no, I feel you. And if you don't want to do that, then you don't be employed there. 
I feel you. But well, but again, like I said, mm. you cut your hair, you get the job, you grow your locks back out, and then they see this black man with locks functions in this space, and he is valuable. And okay. so when he pulls the next brother behind him who has cornrows, it's not yeah. so threatening. That's the way I look at that. I can't speak for the mindset of those people, but because that's my mindset, I'm okay with them having that rule. I'm just, you just confuse me, man. Because you can now, be confused. We'll, t- we'll talk for hours later. Now it just later. sounds like you want to say Colin Kaepernick cut your hair. No, I don't want Colin <laughs> like, Kaepernick to cut his hair because in the confused. space where he works, in the environment where he works, that is perfectly acceptable for other people. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just stick with that then. So I guess we'll wrap this up then before this turns into a mini riot. <laughs> between me and, me and I'm Shoes. not violent. Put the oh, chair down. Oh, oh, knocked over a red cup. Oh, knocked tensions. over a red cup. White aggression. Yeah, right. You had oh. Hennessy in it. Yeah, did you fun. finish your Hennessy? Of course I Good did. Good job, Why friend. wouldn't I finish my Hennessy? I know. Your liver's superior, we know. So uh, thank you guys for sticking through this episode of Detroit. Man, and uh, if you guys had a different perspective on some of these, you know, race relation issues, or you want to talk about it more, man, hit us on that email uh, at kind of movie critics at gmail.com or hit us on our social media uh, on Instagram and Facebook at kind of movie critics and on Twitter at kind of movie crits. Or you could just simply leave some comments inside of our SoundCloud player reviews on our iTunes. We have multiple ways that you can talk with us. Just make it happen. You know, um, uh, do you guys want to give away any personal socials? I'm just really happy nobody called me racist today. That was really Well, nobody awesome. usually calls you racist mm-hmm. other yes, than Treasy. Yes, they do. Treasy. Someone, uh, other someone, than other, someone usually only says that. No, it's, it's usually Treasy. It's and, just Treasy. And, and, I don't call him racist. Yes, yeah, you, you do. You <laughs> I've said racist specifically. Yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. no. You haven't called him a racist, but you've implied. I don't know heavily. what implied he's calling heavily, him racist means. He's heavily implied that I'm, I'm racist mm-hmm. multiple times. Just, What's your favorite new black actor? Exactly. Just say you don't like black actors. That has That's not racist. No, it's gotten way horrible. I think you've said Corey don't like black shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, you well, the podcast the is back. over, so it doesn't count <laughs> yeah. anything that you said. You have to play so, the tape back for me on that one. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, at Corey Ray Smith, Corey with a K. Uh, that's where you can find me and at Viz Inc. and all Viz Inc. related materials. Uh, I see those as well. Oh, nothing. I'm good. <laughs> He's Gorilla Cookies whenever you see him reposting with himself. That's fucked up. He might not want to get fired from his job. And look, you just put him out there. No, when he's on our site, he's Gorilla Cookies. Oh, okay. Throw your socials out there. Oh, so you can follow me on Instagram, Y-U-N-G-L-E-E-Z-Y. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you give a fuck about anything that I'm doing when I can't sleep at same old C S A M E O L E C E E and follow the on ear network. We are on ear network on Instagram. We are on ear network on Twitter. For those of you that don't know, Onear Network is me and Young Trees Jobs over here. And we bring you several podcasts um, by Invite Only, Society X. That's what I wanted. Did I miss one? Kind of movie critics. And us, kind of mm. movie critics. No, and, and live from the 7-5. And live from the 7-5. Shout, Shout out to out. y'all. They actually have our largest following, so follow them. Right. And you can find me on Instagram at JTVision. That's J-T-V-I-Z-I-O-N. And you can also find some of my short films at jtvision.com. Yeah, you need to watch some short films, man. Jesse's popping out here. He man. is super talented. He's got, he's got, he's got vision. Um, and def- I knew him since before he could drink, so I'm VIP <laughs> out here. I was with you shooting in the gym. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you invest in any of his films, though? 
I tried to get him some money. She, 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 she was on my side. I helped him with his real. You see what niggas, <laughs> niggas is ball side. boys talking about. I was shooting with you in the gym. No, you was passing me the ball, my nigga. That's Whatever. All you. Whatever. <laughs> you can follow me, man, the, uh, the realest, Treasy, at uh, Filmmaking Treasy on Instagram or Filmmaking Trees on Twitter. And um, yeah, again, man, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we kind of aren't. Just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.